Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gentlemen, welcome in to the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And I got my boy, Sarah Bettinger, on the other end out there in Omaha. Sarah, how are we doing today, brother? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, just a, a beautiful day here. Started off with some rain. Got some nice, like, mid to high 70s weather. I'm feeling this, man. I'm feeling... I, I even put on a hoodie because you know me, man. I'm ushering in the fall. Bring on the pumpkin spice lattes. Bring on the the changing of the colors. Bring on football. Maybe most importantly, there. I mean, my goodness, what a time of year! Yeah, we had a couple of uh, funny days as far as the weather goes. It's typically pretty hot around this time. It's typically in the mid to low nineties here in Georgia until about the second or third week in September. But the last couple of days, we've had you know a seventy four, seventy five degree uh, day. Mm. Uh, today was a little bit rainy, but nonetheless. Still a little on the cooler side. Had a pretty hectic day at work today, but I'm super excited uh, to talk some football with you today. And speaking of hectic, Sarah, things got wild this weekend in the NFL uh, revolving around, everyone knows at this point, uh, Andrew Luck, right? The former number one overall draft pick out of Stanford. Sarah, just a quick overview of his brief career. Uh, played a full six seasons, again, drafted in 2012. Went 53-33 and 33 as a starter, and Sarah, there's a thousand ways to take this story, um, but I'll just kind of let you decide where you want to take it first, my man. Where, where, where do we want, where do you want to start with this Andrew Luck story? I think we got to start by chatting a little bit about is is this a boo worthy retirement from the fans? I mean, Andrew Luck, of all people, the generational talent. You know, people comparing him to Elway and the greatest. You know, all the great prospects to come before him. Everyone's saying that he's maybe the best prospect they've ever evaluated at any position, which is pretty incredible to think about. And and he gave the Colts six really, really good years. Is it boo-worthy that he's retiring? I'll, I'll ask you the question, and I'll share my thoughts after you share yours, but I think that's the number one place to start. Is this boo-worthy? Is it ever boo-worthy? Um, when a guy retires due to injury like this, what are your thoughts, man? I'm, I'm interested to know. All right. So, you know, booing is kind of a, a fad nowadays. And I guess that's the ultimate question nowadays is, is things boo worthy? But the first thing I think about when I think about the Indianapolis Colts first, first of all, fans is short for the word fanatic, right? People are going to be fanatical about the things that they cheer about, especially when they feel like they're, uh, not only emotionally invested in things, but financially invested in things. But um, the Indianapolis Colts fan base, 
you got, what, 15 years of Peyton Manning. And, you know, just going back, and I thought about it today, just going back to that time where what a, what a lucky fan base in general, right? You have Peyton Manning for however long you had him. You get two Super Bowls. He wins one over there in Indianapolis, okay? You have all the years of greatness there with Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning and uh, Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and all that. And, you know, just one neck injury and a 16-game season that Peyton Manning sits out, and the entire fan base is just like, well, Whatever. He can go wherever he wants. If he wants to go to Denver, that's fine. It doesn't really matter because we got Andrew Luck coming in. Everyone knows we got the number one overall draft pick. What a lucky fan base and an entitled fan base for that matter. And, you know, somewhat or sometimes, Sarah, entitled children can throw a bit of a temper tantrum. But I don't expect nothing shocks me. When Tyreek Hill was flicked off by a New England Patriots fan and they threw beer at him, it didn't shock me. Um, nor did it shock me and vice versa when Kansas City Chiefs fans completely opened him or, you know, accepted him back with open arms when he got back on the football field. Things like this don't really surprise me because that fan base and that city seems so directly tied to Andrew Luck and the future that there, that was, you know, to be had there in Indianapolis. And for some reason, you know, not for some reason, to add it all, all on top of this, they're a fan base that believed they were in win-now mode. They thought they were finally on the edge and on the brink of breaking into, you know, Super Bowl contention there alongside the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots and the AFC. So it's a long discussion in terms of why the fans did what they did. Um, But again, I I go back to the fact that this is an extremely entitled fan base. I mean, think about cities like Cleveland who just now – got their first real legitimate starting quarterback, at least we think, and we've only seen him for a season. Think about, you know, uh, franchises like the uh, Miami Dolphins, who haven't seen a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. The only thing they've ever seen close to it uh, or that resembles a franchise quarterback is a guy like Ryan Tannehill. So really long-winded explanation of whether or not this was a boo-worthy experiment or experience here in Indianapolis. It's crappy that the fans did it. I understand why they did it, but again, a really entitled fan base, and that's where I'll settle, entitled. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's I think it's kind of bushly. You know, we get so we've gotten so acclimated to this fantasy football culture that we live in where the fantasy football and Madden are are ways that we have really sort of dehumanized football players. You know, a guy tears his ACL and all anyone can think about is, well, how, shoot, how am I supposed to replace him in in fantasy now or whatever? And I just think what what the Indianapolis Colts fans in attendance at that preseason game did, if that's in any way indicative of the majority of the fan base, I think that entire Colts fan base needs a bit of a reality check today. Look, this guy was the anointed one and chosen one from his freshman year at Stanford. And and maybe even before that, uh, Andrew Luck is this, the next great NFL quarterback. And the Colts, like you mentioned, they were lucky enough to even be able to draft him. It took a, a freak injury to Peyton Manning. And then not only that, but then the decision to, to choose Luck over Manning uh, after the fact in order to get him into Indianapolis and – what what the Colts did as a franchise, the, the person who should be booed is probably their former general manager, Ryan Grigson, who let Andrew Luck down. He, he had a really solid 2012 draft, that first draft with the team. 
Couldn't have started off any easier than no-brainer pick of Andrew Luck. And then for the next five years, they failed to, to put any sort of competent offensive line talent around Luck. And that ultimately was his downfall. He got hit far too often. And I think if you want to boo anyone, it should be that guy. But at the same time, like, why are we, why are we booing these people for, for trying to do a job? And, and Luck, for Luck, like, he's trying to live out his dream. And if you think about that, like, think about if you're a Colts fan or if you're a fan of any team in general, think about living your dream. And literally, not just living your dream, but, like, living the dream. Like, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, one of the richest contracts in, in league history, one of the most beloved guys in the league by everybody. Everybody loves Andrew Luck. And you're living this dream. He just got married. And think about the fact that he came to the resolution that he had to retire. Like, think about that for a second. Before you boo about it, before you react and respond to what Luck did, like, think about it for a second. Put yourself in those shoes. Like, if you were the one who made the decision, what led you to that decision? I think that far too many people failed to acknowledge that, including a few prominent members of the media. I, I, the Doug Gottlieb tweet really, really upset me. Um, and I don't get upset over tweets very often, but he said something about how it was like the most millennial thing you could do to, you know, re- whatever, retire because you didn't want to work your way back from an injury. Look, it's not that he's working back from an injury. He's working back from a laundry list of injuries. And shut up about Luck being a millennial. I'm pretty sure the dude didn't even watch TV in college. I don't He's even know if he a had a TV. Phone. My gosh, like... Get a get a grip, get a clue, and and give the guy some compassion. That's what I say. Um, my hat is off to Andrew Luck for the decision that he made. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that guys like him and guys like Chris Borland and other players that retired, you know, really early. I, I'm not saying that they should have, you know, for sure done it because I don't know their situation. But at the same time, like, who are we to tell someone how to live their life, and who are we to boo somebody's decision? to do that when they're in such pain like did you did you even think about the amount of pain this guy is in i mean it's just crazy to me but that's a that's the end of my monologue and my rant about it i just think it's ridiculous no no i'm on the same page with you for the most part i mean the one thing i I like that you pointed out was the ryan grigson era right i mean this guy had four drafts, and in his first three drafts there in Indianapolis, he only took two offensive linemen, both in the seventh round, Sarah. It's something that, honestly, in, mo- in modern-day NFL drafting is completely unheard of, okay? You, you got a franchise quarterback who, nowadays, the blueprint for winning a Super Bowl is having a young rookie quarterback on a rookie deal or a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. They completely squandered that for the entire first four years of his career there with Ryan Grigson as his general manager. So I also like that you pointed out to the litany of injuries he's had. Let's just, you know, read through them. These are the main ones that have kept him out, you know, of football games. Not the ones that he's played with. Those are off the record. We don't know about those. These are just the ones that we know that landed him on the IR. First starting with two or torn cartilage in two of his ribs, partially torn abdomen, a lacerated kidney that left him peeing blood for weeks, at least one concussion. We have no idea how many were off the record. A torn labrum in his shoulders or his throwing shoulder that led to, you know, him taking a full season off and one of the hardest mentally uh, mentally draining 
uh, sports recoveries we've seen in recent memory. I heard, uh, you know, people comparing it to Markel Fultz it being a mental issue wow. and a mental breakdown there with Andrew Luck. Remember last year, Sarah, during preseason, we saw him throwing high school footballs and not NFL footballs, how big of a story yeah. that was. Or let me remind you of this one, Sarah. Do you remember the storylines about Andrew Luck having to be replaced with Jacoby Brissett before a halftime of the week two football se- or week two of the NFL football season last year to throw a, ha- or a, ha- a Hail Mary before the halftime? Does mm-hmm. anyone remember that mm-hmm. storyline because Andrew Luck's shoulder was still an issue? Okay, so these are mentally things that have drained on him. And he told Sports Illustrated last season – coming back from his injury, that he really, truly did not know whether or not he was going to return to full form on the football field. And it's something that, you know, affected him in his day-to-day life and affected who he was as a human being. He said he put too much of his identity in the game of football. And it's something that if he had to go through again, if he had to take a full year off of the sport to fully reevaluate himself and deal with the man in the mirror every single day, he didn't know at the time last year if it was something that he could do all over again, which brings us to this mysterious lower calf, lower ankle injury, or upper ankle injury, whatever it is. He was probably faced with another decision of you can probably try to play through it, but you're going to be in pain all season long. You're going to have to come through and do rehab every single day, multiple times a day, multiple hours, three to four hours a day. He just got recently married, Sarah. All of these things are just not conducive for a guy who's got a Stanford degree, who's already made over $90 million in his career. And, oh, by the way, Sarah, he came to an agreement with the Colts last week that they were going to give him the full $24 million that he was owed this season in signing bonuses and roster salaries. So the guy's going to get another $24 million on top of the 90 he's already made. I think he's going to be set for the rest of his career. Him and he, you know, he and his wife can begin to start a family and be healthy when it's very, very clear that this game was not good for him. A lacerated kidney, Sarah. The guy almost lost his damn kidney playing this sport. Yeah, I uh, I remember that. I was watching that game. It was the 2015 Denver Broncos, one of the most devastating defenses in league history, in my opinion. And they um, there was a somebody who covers the Broncos that I follow. I can't remember who tweeted it at, at this point. I think it was one of the guys... Uh, for Broncos TV, Phil Milani, I believe his tweet was, uh, I've never seen a quarterback take a beating like Andrew Luck took in a 2015 game against the Denver Broncos. And that was the game where he suffered not only a lacerated kidney, but also that was the game that he tore the, um, that he tore his abdomen and he was peeing blood. And he finished that game. That, that, when that hit happened, I remember seeing Andrew Luck wince in pain and I was like, oh, my gosh, they just knocked him out of the game. He came back in the freaking game. And if anybody wants – that's the whole irony of this thing. And that's what I tweeted out a couple days ago when it happened. I was like, the irony of this whole thing is that Andrew Luck's greatest quality as a football player was probably his toughness. And that's what people are are really questioning about him right now. And I want to bring – I'm going to bring in a a quote here from – Jake Butt, who he obviously Jake Butt suffered a torn ACL on his final college game at Michigan, all American tight end, supposed to be a first or second round draft pick coming out, suffered a torn ACL, took out an insurance policy, got drafted in the fifth round, sat out the entire year with the, uh, his rookie year in 2017 with the Broncos, ironically the same year that, that Andrew Luck sat out. And then he came back in 2018, played the first three games and then tore his ACL again in practice. 
And then he came he came all the way back again from that this year. And then he uh, aggravated the injury in training camp. And he has been obviously grinding away, trying to get his knees right just so he can even play. I mean, forget 120-some-odd million dollars in total total money made. Like, he's trying to make it in the league. But this is what he said about dealing with these injuries. He says, the mental aspect of injuries is the hardest part to deal with for most athletes. We're used to and can handle physical pain. But when you do everything right trying to get back and still have to deal with pain and setbacks, it can weigh heavy on your body and mind. Respect to you, Andrew Luck. Many blessings to you as you start this next chapter in your life. I think that's the big thing here. And Andrew Luck can decide to not deal with the physical or mental pain. And would anyone in the same situation as him not choose the same exact thing? I think that's such a great perspective to know it from the athletes themselves who are dealing with these injuries Life is so much bigger than football, especially for Andrew Luck, who's got a Stanford degree and is one of the smartest dudes I've ever listened to at a football you know, post-game podium and one of the most insightful guys you'll ever hear. And, and obviously, to be great at the quarterback position, you have to be a bit of a genius because there's only, what, like 25 guys who can do it at a really high level in the entire world. So uh, my hat is off to Andrew Luck. I, I you know... Shame on all the people who booed him at the game and made him feel that he said that hurt, and rightly so. It that should that should hurt. That sucks. That is that is terrible. Um, all he did for that team was win games, and I think one of the cool things that you put on our pre-show script here is his overall record as a starter. 50, uh, 53 and 33 in 86 games. And I read a stat the other day on Twitter, and I'm now putting the two and two together. I read a stat the other day that said 70% of his losses, which I now see is only 33 games, 70% of those losses came when the defense allowed 29 or more points. Mm. I mean, that's insane. So Andrew Luck, if you're talking like wins above replacement, like a like a basketball or baseball stat, this dude was irreplaceable from that regard. I mean, seven game-winning drives as a rookie. He proved his value as a winner immediately. And I just can't fathom booing a guy like that off the field the last time he'll ever set foot on that field as a member of the team. Just unreal, man. Unreal. Yeah, brutal for him. Maybe you saw the emotion there in his, you know, I guess you would call it a post-game conference, a retirement Mm -hmm. conference right there that originally was scheduled for Sunday. Which brings me to my next question and kind of point for you, Sarah. What do you think about the whole idea of Adam Schefter breaking this story during the game. I understand that it's his job, and had he not tweeted it that at that moment, two or three minutes later, someone else would have tweeted it, which we obviously it boils down to someone in that organization because, again, this is something that the Colts have known about for a couple weeks now, uh, so much to the point that they had already uh, you know talked about and handled all the contract details. But what do you think about Shefty breaking this story in the middle of the game and kind of, you know, ruining the timetable, if you will, or spoiling the retirement ceremony and allowing Andrew Luck to kind of do it on his own terms instead? I mean, you could almost say that it was Schefter's fault. Not that they booed. Those fans are going to boo, uh, you know, at a later date possibly if, it found, if they find out later. But putting Andrew Luck in that specific scenario where it's halftime of a preseason football game there in week three, and he's walking off the field. He has to walk off the field because this hit, the news just broke that he's retiring after just six NFL seasons. Yeah, I think that comes down to just kind of like your ethical code. You know, if you're 
if you're the type of person who just doesn't do X no matter what. Like, for a guy like Andrew Luck, you would think that he's developed enough of a respect among reporters that that people would keep that kind of thing quiet when they're supposed to. And um, for me, the Adam Schefter tweeting it out thing, I kind of see... I kind of see both sides of it because it is quite literally aside from aside from athletes dying it it's probably the most shocking it's probably the most shocking bit of news I can remember as a as a sports fan. I mean, can you think of anything else? I mean, in our lifetime, obviously we weren't like there was no Twitter during the time when Michael Jordan retired to play ba- baseball and and I just I don't know I can't think of anything more shocking than what I saw Saturday night when I read I, I was looking to see if it was fake you know I have a list on Twitter of like legitimate yeah. reporters and to see that one come up on the the legitimate one I was thinking to myself man this is this is a moment right here and then immediately the preseason broadcast crews that I was watching started talking about it and I mean it's just insane. And it's got to be so. For from Schefter's point of view, man, it's the biggest story he'll probably ever get as a as a NFL reporter. It's a it's like a a hallmark story. Like who broke the Andrew Luck retiring story? It was Schefter. At the same time, does it compromise your? Are you selling your soul in a way to do that to a guy who's you know nothing but nice yeah. to everybody who does who operates the right way, who works really hard, who had it all planned out, like. He wanted to do it his way, and Schefter decided to do it his way. I mean, I can see both sides of it for sure. It's it's hard for me to be super upset with Schefter. I can see why people would gripe about it, and rightly so. But at the same time, like I mean, just it's it's tough, man. Biggest story he'll ever break. Yeah. So the only thing I can think of that's even relatively as shocking was kind of like the Calvin Johnson retirement, but he's not nearly mm-hmm. as high-profiled of an athlete or a football player as, uh, you know, Andrew Luck. But if you go back prior to, you know, our days, you know, Barry Sanders, obviously, so that was kind of the first of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the Michael Jordan thing. Beyond Borg retired in his early 30s from tennis on top of the tennis world. He was hands down one of the best, the best tennis player in the world and stepped away. So those are kind of just off the top of my head. But, um, you know, I guess I'm with you on the Shefty thing. He's kind of just doing his job. And like you said, it's definitely the biggest story he'll break in the last, you know, five years or ten years. I'm sure there will be a bigger one on down the road because it doesn't seem like Shefty's slowing down anytime soon. But um, it doesn't get much bigger than this in terms of stories, right? I'm sure we're going to have all kinds of takes. We've already had all kinds of takes, right? We had the Dan Dockage take. We had the Doug Gottlieb take where – you know, they're kind of just bashing on Andrew Luck, you know, going, calling it the easy way out or calling him a quitter or whatever. And then the litany of people that are obviously on the I can't believe those fans booed bandwagon and whatnot. So there's not a lot of people playing in the middle of the field, which is where I kind of, you know, have found myself falling. I understand as a, you know, former athlete and a former football player in particular, I couldn't imagine playing an additional six years on top of my college career, let alone doing some of what some of these guys do where, like Tom Brady, he's going to end up playing for well plus 20 years uh, in the league. I couldn't imagine doing that to my my body. On the other hand, I no. understand the the fanatical, uh, you know, the fanatical 
involvement that these fans in Indianapolis feel like they have. Because I've never necessarily been to Indianapolis, but I would just go on out on a whim here and say that the Colts are probably the biggest show in town and Mm -hmm. one of the very few shows in town. So there's a a sense of involvement and a sense of pride about that, and they thought they were entitled. Again, we're going back to this entitlement piece. They were entitled to, you know, back-to-back, you know, almost three decades worth of quarterback play and unfortunately, they're only going to get about two decades of great quarterback play. So, and you know what? Again, that's better than I would say over half the league has had in the history of their, you know, team's existence. So mm-hmm. you're spoiled, you're entitled, and, and you probably shouldn't have done what you did in terms of booing an athlete. But again, we're, we're human. I understand the fanatical uh, fandom in it. And, uh, you know, I understand we work for a company called Fansided. There's the only reason there's a company like Fansided and a, and a site like NFL Mocks is because you people eat this stuff up. You people, myself included, we eat this stuff up. We love it. We eat it. We breathe it. Uh, we stay up till 11 o'clock talking about it with our friends on podcasts. We do this kind of crazy stuff. Um, and booing Andrew Luck when he steps away after six years is kind of added to that list of crazy stuff that you can't really explain. Think and about kind of where I guess we can leave it. Do you have What's I was up? just going to say, think about what kind of a moment it would have been if they had given him a standing ovation or something as as that news broke. You know, if they had not that they're they're not stand they're not giving a standing o for the fact that he's no longer with the team, but they're standing up for the person. You know, Andrew Luck is a human being. Andrew Luck is a, a guy who, you know, at the end of the day, he's a husband to somebody. He's a guy that you might see at the supermarket. You know, he's a guy that you might see. At the gas station, he's a guy that, you know, he's going to have a new vocation. He's going to have a new life. He's going to make new friends. He's going to do new things. He's going to have a totally different daily schedule. And just imagine, you know, what would you what would you want to be able to say to him if you if you were to walk up to him one day? You know, I was one of the fans who who booed you at your last game. You know, like you suck. I'm so (laughs) miserable now because my team sucks. Or would you want to be the person who stood up and was like, you know, like, thank you for being, for making memories for my team. Thank you for just the the awesome way that you play the game, the way that you worked, um, playing hurt, playing through these injuries that we talked about. I just think how powerful could it have been if the if the fan base had really rallied around him and stood for him and cheered for him as they should have because he was such a, I mean, like you said, entitlement is is a tough a tough beast to conquer but think about the fact that they've had maybe the two best quarterback prospects of the last 20 plus years in the entire NFL Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck I mean has any has anybody been given any more fanfare than those two guys and they both played for the same team I mean it's just insane to me I would I would hope to I would I would like to think that I would be able to embrace a guy like that if he decided to step away from from my team I just I imagine him you know if he was a Bronco and he left the team right now I mean obviously it sucks it would it would suck mm-hmm. badly because you're like well we could have won the Super Bowl this year but at the same time you know again it comes all back to the human element and this guy's a human being and it's just hard for me to reason with people the way that they the way that they act sometimes but that's just my that's that's my piece on it no I like all that and uh Quick question, what do you think Andrew Luck retires to go do? What is the next phase of Andrew Luck's life? Because I'm seeing a seventh-grade history teacher, mm-hmm. um, you know, teaching middle school history. That's that's what I see Andrew Luck doing. 
loves books, loves to read, and uh, he's he's just got history, middle school history teacher written all over him. That would be awesome. I could totally see that. He he seems to have the personality for that, and seems to be just a really likable guy all around. I don't know. He's got that architecture, architectural engineering degree or whatever it is from Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, man, he could he could be making some crazy crazy buildings. Who knows? I mean, maybe he'll design. All right, Andrew Luck, the next Ted Mosby. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's a How I Met Your Mother reference for those <laughs> who haven't seen it. And if you haven't, uh, you need to just go ahead and get on that uh, pretty quickly. All right, Sarah, we need to get into this NCAA football preview, and uh, we're going to go through all of the Power Five conferences and give one player from the defensive side of the ball, one player from the offensive side of the ball that we are both really, really excited to see. We're going to start with the Big Ten, start on the defensive side of the ball, Sarah. I'll let you kick it off. Who is a guy in college football doesn't necessarily have to be draft eligible for this next upcoming draft, but who's a guy that you're just absolutely pumped to see on the defensive side of the ball in the Big Ten this year? I mean, I've got to go to the Iowa Hawkeyes and defensive end A.J. Epinesa. I know we've talked about him on a previous previous episode before, but uh, Epinesa is just the type of guy that you're going you're gonna to watch this year and you're going to think, man, how was this guy – how was he not starting his first two years at Iowa? And that doesn't mean that he didn't play a lot, but, I mean, how was he not in the in the lineup every game, number one defensive end? I think we're going to see a huge breakout season from him, even though he's already put, you know, top five, top ten NFL talent on tape. I think that we're going to see a huge breakout season from him, and I can't wait to see what that looks like because this guy is, is a monster, 6'6", 280. Uh, he is draft-eligible junior this year. And uh, I just think he's going to show off the full gambit of his skills, uh, holding the edge against the run, rushing the quarterback. I think he's got it all. Who goes higher, A.J. or Chase Young in next year's draft? Whoever runs the faster 40, isn't that how it works? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I, think. I mean, I don't know. I, that's a tough call right now. It's pretty much a toss-up, it feels we'll just, like. We'll have to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll have to see after this season. Um, the offensive guy, I'm going to go a little bit off the board to a Purdue football player, Rondale Moore. As a freshman last year, sir, he had 1,258 yards uh, receiving on 114 grabs and 12 touchdowns. So uh, he's an incredible yards after the catch. I mean, he's a monster after the catch and just really, really electrifying. Pretty much won that game against Ohio State last year for them uh, Mm -hmm. in Purdue, just making guys look silly. So uh, a top-five spin move for sure in college football this year, Rondale Mm -hmm. Moore from Purdue, the sophomore. Not necessarily draft eligible, but super excited to see what this young man does on a football team that returns their senior quarterback this year. Yeah, he's a star. So that's who I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Uh, trying to think of a guy he, rem- he reminds me of, I would say a, a Debo Samuel light. Like, he's mm. Debo Samuel, but just drop, drop like 25 pounds because he's yeah. not nearly <laughs> that thick. Debo, Debo, Debo Samuel is a thick thick boy all right moving on to the sec i'll start on the offensive side of the football here sarah and i'll take my guy no actually i'll leave it up to you let's get to the sec you take your offensive guy because i got a defensive guy that is really really special that i want to talk about yeah absolutely i man this is always one of the toughest ones for me to pick from because there's so many good good players i think i'll give i'll give a little love to the georgia bulldogs here i think that the the player that i'm most Looking forward to seeing this year. And again, this guy is 2020 draft eligible. 
is Jake Fromm, the quarterback. And I think there's there's just like a there's a level that he hasn't quite hit yet on the field that I believe personally that he's capable of hitting to really put him into the conversation with the Herberts and the Tagovailoas and these other guys as far as like being a, a number one overall possible pick. I think Fromm is just he's so so close to that and he's on the cusp and I just can't wait to see what improvements he makes in year three because I mean if you take if you take the Georgia Bulldogs to the college football playoff as a true freshman I mean there's something to be said for that and I really love what he brings to the table as just a leader of the team and I think this year what I'm hoping for from Fromm is that he goes from being kind of like what people assume to be is this game manager or as I read today somebody thinks that He's going to be a solid starter, quote-unquote, in the NFL. I think he can go from being that kind of a prospect to being a truly elite type of prospect, a, 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 maybe a Matt Ryan type. No, I like that. That's, that's a solid take there from my buddy Sarah Bettinger on the other end. And one thing that I you know, want to point out about Jake Fromm before I give you my defensive guy is I don't think there's an offense in college football – that's more conducive to a, tr- a transition from college to the pro game than what Georgia runs here, uh, you know, for, you know what Fromm's in there in Georgia. He turns his back to the defense more than probably any college prospect will going into next year's draft. So the transition in the NFL will be really, really smooth for the junior quarterback, the three-year starter there mm-hmm. at Georgia. Um, the defensive guy I wanted to talk about, Sarah, is Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. In my opinion, he's the best player, uh, best defensive player, and maybe even best overall player in this upcoming draft, Sarah. And quite frankly, I don't think it's very, very close, okay? We're talking about a guy who was just one of nine players in LSU history last year to be a consensus first-team All-American as a Mm -hmm. sophomore. Uh, He's pretty much a lock to win the Nagurski Award this season uh, as the nation's top safety. He is Derwin James. He is Jamal Adams. He is everything the modern NFL safety is. Grant Grant Delpit, a name that we absolutely need to remember, uh, and we'll hear a lot about, obviously, this season and, uh, you know, in springtime leading up to the NFL draft. Sarah, I'll let you start the Pac-12 off with uh, your defensive guy since we got your offensive guy from the SEC. Who do you got in the Pac-12 that you're looking forward to watch watching on the defensive end? Yeah, this is another another tough one for me. Um, but I really like Jalen Johnson, the corner out of Utah. I think that he's going to prove this year for for the Utes that, that he can be that number one type of shutdown corner. And uh, it's not very often that we're talking about Utah players in the preseason as, you know, potential first-round guys. But I think that this guy's got the ability to do that. You know, he's he's just a – he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got some experience back there um, as, a, as, a, as a junior. And he led the team with four interceptions last year. So I'm looking to him, if I'm, if I'm Utah, I'm looking to him to kind of be that difference maker and be the reason why they – Maybe make a little bit of noise, and I mean they're they're preseason thirteen according to Athlon Sports, and so if he's if he's out there doing what he does, you know, racking up pick sixes, making that play like he did last year against Oregon on fourth down against number one overall pick candidate Justin Herbert, that's what that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for from a corner. Just give me that ultra confidence, and I think he's got it. No, I like I like the pick there. Um, quick question, Sarah. Where do you rank Sherbert in terms of like 
frozen custards because mm. you know I'm, I'm about to talk about some Justin Herbert. I'm a big Sherbert fan. Where are you at? What's your what's your gauge on uh, Sherbert in terms of frozen delicacies? I mean, it's really really good. I think I like I prefer it to be a little bit more rich. You know, like the chocolate. The, the caramel type stuff, not so much the tart, fruity, mm. sure, you know, I, I don't know. That's not 100% my thing, but, I mean, it is really good, especially if you get it done really well and at the right consistency. It's, I mean, it, it is tough to beat, I, I have to admit. Yeah, big-time rainbow sherbet guy when you go to the, uh, you know, the hibachi restaurants, always like to get a little palate cleanser at the end with a little bit of rainbow sherbet ice cream. Uh, knock on the table if you're with me, gentlemen. Mm. A little hard mm. knocks John Gruden reference <laughs> there. Um, yeah, love me some rainbow sherbet. Um, anyways, also love me some Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon. Okay, I think he's the most talented quarterback in the upcoming draft, just in sheer terms of talent. If you ask him to go out there in shorts and a t-shirt and make all the throws, he's going to do it much better, you know, better if not much better than any quarterback available in this draft. The problem there are a ton of questions surrounding this young man. 59.4% completion percentage last season in his lone season uh, as a full-time starter, right? This last year is the first year he made all of his starts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a massive arm and shocking athleticism. When you turn the tape on, you don't really expect this six foot six, or you know, approximately 230-pound guy to be moving extremely well outside the pocket, but he does. At some points, you think he is the most athletic player on the field considering his size uh, and length. And then there's some stuff, again, that really makes you wonder what's going on up top, some questionable decisions in terms of, uh, you know, throws he makes with the ball, places he puts the ball uh, in during football games, not necessarily the best decisions. So we'll see if he can kind of hone those things in. Uh, Got a much better offensive line this year. Got uh, some experienced guys there at the uh, offensive guard and offensive tackle position. So we'll see what Oregon looks like uh, this year. But I'm really excited to see what, uh, you know, Mr. Herbert can do for the Oregon Ducks. Let's move on to the Big 12, Sarah, and I'll give you the offensive guy um, because, you know, I just you just went back-to-back defensive guys, right? Gosh, I appreciate that, man. I love it. Um, and, and for not making me choose a Big 12 defender, I mean, what a friend. What a friend. I'm passing. That's why. I'm, we're, we, we, need to catch up. we need to catch up time on this episode, and I'm totally passing, just like everybody else in the Big 12. I'm I love passing. it. I love it. I'm taking Jalen Rieger, the <laughs> wide receiver, out of, out of TCU, man. I mean, you just want to talk about speed, speed, speed. This guy is dynamic, and that's one of the, the real strengths of this coming draft class, in my opinion. If, if Rieger and all these speedy wide receivers declare – the strength of the 2020 NFL draft for those of you playing dynasty fantasy football, racking up those draft picks and trades right now, just wait until you get the cornucopia of speedy wide receivers coming out of next, next year's draft. I mean, this year's draft was a total crap show in terms of skill players compared to what we're going to get next year, especially at, at QB and wide receiver. So I, I mean, this Jalen Rieger guy, I mean, he can absolutely fly and I can't wait to see what he does this season because I think with expectations high that's when you really find out about guys and so the spotlight's on let's see if he can keep it going yeah so we'll keep the offensive theme rolling here in the big 12 and I'll just give you a couple more offensive guys uh because that's all there is in this conference that I'm really excited to see uh C.D. Lamb obviously the receiver from Oklahoma really juiced to see what he does this season in his last 
presumably there at Oklahoma. Also an Oklahoma name that everyone will be hearing, uh, you know, in the springtime of next year. This is a guy that's going to shoot up draft boards this year, Sarah. It's Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. I genuinely thought he was the best center in college football last season when I watched him. Um, and just wait, man. I'm telling you, his name's going to shoot up draft boards very, very soon. The, uh, the word will soon to get out on Creed Humphrey. Let's jump over to the ACC, our last conference for the night, Sarah, and I'll let you start. Give me a defensive guy that you're really, really excited to see or already have seen since Miami's played already. Yeah, absolutely. I think Bryce Hall for me is the guy. I, I was expecting him fully, the <laughs> cornerback out of Virginia. I was fully expecting him to be him and his, what, 21 pass breakups last year for for Virginia. I mean, my goodness, you talk about ball skills. This guy's got him in spades. But I was fully expecting him to take his talents to the NFL. Didn't happen. Now he's going back. I mean, He's in a tough spot because Virginia is not a team that's going to be probably making a lot of noise. Sorry if you're a Virginia fan. I mean, I'm not trying to count you out of out of things already, but, I mean, this is Clemson's world, and we're all living in it. No, I like to pick a lot. Shaq Quarterman was going to be my pick here on the defensive side. Young man looks like a young Ray Lewis, and it's not just because he's playing in Miami. Maybe not the speed of Ray Lewis, but definitely the physicality and the brains at the linebacker position. Uh, I'm going to stick with another hurricane on the offensive side of the ball. Brevin Jordan, I think, is one of the better tight ends in the country uh, behind the young man at Mizzou whose name I would flat-out butcher right right now if I even tried to pronounce. But uh, we got a taste of Brevin Jordan the other night in that Miami-Florida game, and he and DJ Dallas seem to be the only two guys on the offense really doing anything and getting any work. So uh, he honestly reminds me a lot Mm -hmm, of Irv mm -hmm. Smith Jr., from last year uh, there in Alabama. You can help me out, Sarah, if you agree there. Um, similar body types, right? Both, you know, Irv Smith about 6'2", 245. Uh, Brevin Jordan hangs out around 6'3", 245, 250. So very similar body types, both extremely athletic tight ends and both guys that can do a lot with the ball after the catch. So we got to see him have, a you know, a touchdown catch there against Florida, the opening touchdown for Miami. Uh, got to put the Hurricane offensive touchdown rings on, which are a questionable decision there. I don't know how I necessarily feel about those. But, no, Brevin Jordan, a tight end that you're going to want to listen to and look out for, uh, you know, in your dynasty leagues. I think he's the next one, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, mm. catch on in the NFL. He's definitely more suited for the NFL game than he is for the college game, and he's pretty damn good in college. Sarah, those are uh, our picks for, you know, some guys you need to look out for in college football this year you hate to see it and then we're just gonna let you send the folks out because we're running on time and i forgot one because you hate to see that your 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 producer who's sending out show sheets forgets to do you hate to see it so there's you you hate to see it sir that's all right that's all right you hate to see it you hate to see it. i'm a big big star wars fan and uh you hate to see if that you're one who you hate i mean you love i love man boy do i love that stuff i eat that crap up they they released a new trailer for those who are Star Wars fans and Ray the the main you know protagonist of this whole new trilogy of films was seen at the end of the trailer that they did in all of you know her full Sith Ray glory. Now she was wearing all black, had a dual bladed red lightsaber, and man, it was crazy. I mean, you th- you think about what they've portrayed her to be up to this point as just this beacon of. Uh, just unparalleled good, the source of hope in the galaxy, and to see her in Sith garb 
I mean, you hate to see it if you're if you're dying right now as far as waiting four months for this movie to come out. I mean, you got to wait four months to figure out some context for that. Man, you really hate to see it. I personally, I personally love it. But I mean, for fans of the the series who are really struggling after the last film, I mean, you hate to see them. <laughs> you hate to see such a crazy twist in the trailer. Even the actress was like, "I can't believe they put that in there." Um, I mean, it's it's really causing a stir among the Star Wars fan base. I don't know how plugged in you are, Brooks, but <laughs> I was about to say, bro. So you know, I, I took three years of Spanish in high school. Here's a little story for you. Took three years of Spanish in high school. Thought I had it pretty well, right? Um, go to college, and I'm like, you know, I'm not really trying to take super hard electives. So there's a Spanish, you know, Spanish one class in college. I think I'm gonna go take this and just <laughs> hang out. Um, you know, first day show up. Teachers just full speed, just running it at 100 miles an hour, speaking full-on Spanish, like not even taking a break to explain. <laughs> even the syllabus was in Spanish there. She was just running it down, going 100 miles an hour. That's exactly how I just felt listening to you run through that Star Wars, brother. I haven't seen a single Star no, no. Wars in my life. I don't plan on it. It's not something I'm, I'm here to do. Um, if that, that shouldn't come as a shock to you, Sarah, you've gotten to know me pretty well. Um, the, the limited time I have left in my day is spent, you know, writing, reading, or watching more and more football or trying my best to spend time with my fiance, which I need to get better on. And I'm first to tell you, but, uh, no, not a lot of time for the Sith or the trilogy or whatever. I will tell you this, that one time that Darth Vader guy with the (laughs) horns came out with the black and red paint on his face and the light and the and the lightsaber with two sides <laughs> that on it that Darth was red. Guy. Man, oh my that gosh, was real so bad ace. That's all that's I can tell you, That's funny right there. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. No, there was, he had the he yeah. had the horns right. That one that one episode, he had the yeah. horns and the and the red and black face, and <laughs> real, real, looking real devilish. That man was looking frightening. Um, but that that is our show for tonight. You got all kinds. You got all kinds of great stuff, man. You got the our Darth thoughts Vader on guy the Andrew the Luck stuff. You got our thoughts on the Sith and the trilogy from Star Wars. Uh, you found out that Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you found out that Brooks learned absolutely nothing in the three years of Spanish that he took in high school. So, shouts out to the parents for paying the private school education. Um, and that's about it, man. You you learned a whole lot of good stuff tonight, Sarah. Send the folks out. Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate you for listening. And, and just by our show of gratitude, Brooks wants to pay all of you who are listening to this 100 No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh man, wouldn't that be funny if I just threw you under the bus like that? No, but yeah, for a free giveaway. Yeah, just a free giveaway, hundred dollars to anyone who's listening to this from Brooks, not me. Um, no, but <laughs> all kidding aside, thank you for listening, and we would really appreciate it if you are still listening up to this point. That to me indicates you like what we're doing, and just it really helps us out a lot if you would go and review, rate. Share these podcasts. Do anything you can to spread the word because we uh, we love chatting about football and we know that you all do too. And so wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, we appreciate you doing that, supporting us and what we're doing. And uh, we're just excited for the season, man. The, the regular season can't get here soon enough. So we're, we're going to have a blast and we want you to be on the ride. Yeah, next time instead of talking Star Wars, 
uh, we'll venture into something that I'm a little more comfortable with, something in my ballpark, my neck of the woods, you know, like Talladega Nights or something, like a real classic movie, like something like that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. It. We'll see you next time. We appreciate you for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.